Just eight weeks after Manchester City lifted the Champions League trophy towards the Istanbul sky, the EFL season is about to kick off. 72 teams with fresh dreams and that fuzzy mix of excitement and dread. Thousands upon thousands of fans ready to give up their hard-earned cash and go following their teams to the ends of the earth, or Carlisle and Plymouth as they're otherwise known. It's a very special start to the season as two podcast powerhouses come together. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better EFL Edition. After nailing down a profit for seven straight seasons in his championship tipping column for betting.betfair.com, at least that's what he's told me to say here, uh, Mark O'Hare is raring to go. He's going to be my vice captain again throughout the season on Football Only Better. Mark, congratulations are in order. You got married over the summer, did you not? Uh, I did. Thanks, Kev. Yeah. Yeah. And did you celebrate by watching the best of East Fife on DVD instead of going on honeymoon? No, but I did take another trip to Dunfermline, actually, but uh, more of that than Scott Watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah Scott Watch always takes priority. Um, championship always a hugely competitive division, we know that. Leicester the favourites for the title on the Betfair Exchange at five, but Mark, they've lost Madison, Barnes, Tielemans, they have a new manager. Do they look like a, a safe bet to you? Because it seems to me that that's a, a little bit short. Yeah, it does feel a bit short for me. Um, the championship this time around, uh, I think it was kind of common knowledge last year that the championship was probably the lower quality league than we've probably been accustomed to in, in the last decade or so. But that's unlikely to be the case this time around because the three promoted teams consolidated in the Premier League last season, which means we had three bigger teams dropping back down, including Leicester, as you say, as well as Southampton and Leeds. And um, yeah, I'm expecting it to be really, really competitive. So I think it's actually quite difficult to make a, a really strong uh, and brutal case for any of those three teams coming down because the alternatives are, are so strong. Um, you know, if you gave me a, a kind of a, a PowerPoint presentation and asked me to kind of go, why are Leicester going to win the league? I could easily do it, obviously, and I could do it with my eyes that closed. That sounds like a do... thrilling afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> but I was going to say I could do it for Leeds and, and Southampton equally too. But, um, you know, flip it around and say, can you find the flaws or can you find a reason why either of Leicester Leeds or Southampton won't win the league I could do it quite easily as well so all three have faults but all three have have massive overwhelming strong uh, strengths where you can look towards and, and see why they might be winning the league but at the current prices you know all sub 10 to 1 it's not really for me in, in what is going to be a very competitive heat but you, if you do look at the the recent trends it does point towards those teams dropping down uh, of the last nine to do so four bounce back at the first time of asking all bar one were promoted the season after uh, if you look at previous winners of the division for the last seven were priced up at 10 to 1 or shorter all four of those were, were anti-post favorites as well now Burnley didn't fit that category they were 12 to 1 but obviously they did fit the relegated team bouncing straight back category so um yeah, it, it is quite hard to sort of distinguish between the big three. Um, I'm quite happy to sort of leave them alone and look elsewhere because if you look at the outright book, the three relegated sides make up 52% of the market, which is enormous really. But uh, I do think there is value to be had elsewhere if you shop around in the sort of sub-markets. 
Now, just like Bayern Munich poaching Borussia Dortmund stars or RB Leipzig players, we like the look of the Not The Top 20 podcast and we decided to bring their stars into the Betfair fold. I'm thrilled to say we've got George Elek with us. George, uh, I know you've, you guys have done a lot of excellent previews on our website, betting.betfair.com, and you seem to have a fair bit of love for Leeds. They've got Daniel Farker in, who had an OK season with Borussia Mönchengladbach, but they seem to be in the midst of loaning out half their team. Yeah, we, we have Leeds as top of our 1-24s, um, but this is an example where, you know, even though I think they are the likeliest winners and probably should be favourites, I don't think I'd be getting too involved with the 5-1 to one they are to win the league with the Betfair Sportsbook. Um, there are a few reasons why I personally think that they are the, the, the most likely or the best set of the relegated sides. Um, you know, all three are losing players. I think it's important to say that. Um, I think the players that are, are, have departed, Leicester and, and, um, and Sampson, are probably maybe higher quality in terms of, you know, there are no Madisons and Barneses and Tielemans at, at Leeds. Um, Southampton, Ward Prowse and Lavia might still be there, but I'm not sure how long they will be. Salas who are already moving on. Um, with Leeds, it feels like they're players of that kind of one level beneath where they're players that came into a Premier League side for quite big money and didn't necessarily justify their their price tag. But there's no denying that, you know, Sinisiera, uh, Rutter, Nonto, if he stays, like, these are guys who kind of match, in my mind, what a good championship side would be. It's a perfect platform for these young players to basically dominate at a certain level and then and then progress upwards. When you look at the managers involved as well, in uh, Daniel Farker, leads of a manager who've won this league twice before with with Norwich, and unlike Martin Russell Martin at Southampton and Enzo Moresco at Leicester, you know he's not necessarily a, a process manager like the other two. Where in terms of of Moresco and uh, and Martin, the way they like to play is incredibly innovative, and it's you know very heavy possession. I think we're going to see some interesting tactical stuff from them. But in that sense, it might take a while to actually get going. Like if you read the quotes from Enzo Maresca after his only other job at Palmer, where he was appointed on a three-year deal in May. It was a very similar job. It was Palmer in Serie B and he had Buffon in goal and this kind of host of, of you know, elite talent there. And he was tasked with taking them back to Serie A. And he was sacked in, in November after, I think, just um, 11 or 12 games. And he said afterwards he couldn't understand why he wasn't given more time, how this thing is a process and the way that he likes to play is going to take time to, to implement. So by that measure... I think if you're backing Leicester at 130, you're doing one of two things. You're either guessing massively that this is going to work or you're basically being blinded by a team who won the Premier League and the FA Cup in fairly recent history. There's nothing in my mind to suggest that they should be um, a top-end side. And I even think that you could probably have a watching brief here and watch Leicester for the first two or three games of the season. And after that, make a decision on them where I, I don't understand how they can be significantly shorter than 133 to one, even if they do start very well. So they might be brilliant, but at the prices, I'm happy to swerve them. And I think Leeds make the most appeal, but it, I agree with Mark. There's There are other ways to attack the, the top end of the championship. Yeah, if anything, you might let Leicester struggle for a bit, let their price drift and then maybe get involved in them uh, a little bit later. Uh, you mentioned Jorginho Ruter there. I looked like a right plank at the end of last season because I was raving to anybody who would listen about how good he was going to be or what the potential he had. And he barely played, but I just wonder in the championship whether he might be a bit more effective, George. 
I definitely agree. I, I've backed him to be top goal scorer. Um, win, win only, I should say, because it's one of those where there's no point messing with places when you when you wonder if he's actually going to get enough minutes to 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 to, to win or to or to place necessarily. But you know, I've gone back and watched his eight goals. He scored eight goals in thirty games in the Bundesliga when he was nineteen. You know, this isn't a guy who hasn't shown that he can do it before. Um, it's him and Bamford vying for that starting spot up front. It doesn't look like Joel Peru is going to be making the switch at this stage. Um, Bamford, we know, is is very injury prone. Typically, about an hour after I had my bet, um, Ritter went off with a, an, an abdominal strain, but we don't know how long Oops. that's going to keep him out for. <laughs> I know. And then, and then, obviously, Bamford came on to replace him and hobbled off with a hamstring injury about half an hour later. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is, you know, for me, this relegation could be the making of players like Ritter, where yeah. you know he's a thirty million pound, thirty million euro striker playing in the championship. You know, you look at the likes last season of, of Manuel Benson, who came in at Burnley. You know, it's that quality. It's like technically gifted young players who can come in and immediately be one of the best players on the pitch, playing for a side who are going to dominate the ball in most games. Um, it, it's much easier to make an impact to make your mark than coming into a poor prim, a Premier League side. I just hope that Leeds have finally decided that he's ready for first-team football because that seemed to be the, uh, the issue yeah. Leeds fans have back in the last season. Yeah, let's hope that he's... Uh... Firing in goals on a regular basis. We were a little bit worried, by the way, that tipster, trader and world-class flamenco dancer Emmett O'Keefe was going to be tempted away to Saudi Arabia, but Betfair have managed to keep him with a quite staggering wage rise of a tenner a week, a bag of crisps and continued appearances on Football Only Better. Emmett, who should we be considering at the top end of the championship? Yeah, nothing, nothing too different from what what the lads have said for me. Um, I guess just on Moresca at Leicester, I just, I, I previously I would have been of the mind of the kind of traditionalist of like, you don't necessarily want to be promoting assistant managers, but I, I do think we've seen maybe a bit of a sea change in that regard. Obviously, the success Arteta has had at Arsenal, I think, we, and is also like some of the best appointments at EFL level. Thinking Kieran McKenna at Ipswich and Michael Carrick at Middlesbrough were assistants previously, but had a kind of a philosophy which they're kind of which the club's backed so i do think i if i think there, there is a bit of volatility given Mareska's previous failure farmer parma but i think the likelihood is he will be successful here just given the talent at his disposal i'm kind of yeah i'm waiting till the end of the transfer window but my kind of simplistic view is that if daca and or ian Acho are there at leicester i think they'll be absolutely dominant at championship level i don't think jamie vardy will need to play much at all i think ian Acho's a decent premier league striker i think he's been linked to leverage and i think that would actually be decent signing for everton i think if he i think i, I won't quite say he'll put up mitrovic numbers but i i do think those those leicester forwards are really dominate like signings like harry winks connor cody etc are just the signings of a kind of a premier league club in the championship and if i think if, if Mareska can implement his coaching on on Leicester and, and, and they click I do think they have they definitely have the highest ceiling of all the teams there but as the lads have said that their price has kind of contracted so much that I kind of I wouldn't I, I wouldn't recommend I would I wouldn't recommend them and I think there's definitely kind of they're definitely kind of better value elsewhere um, I'm kind of taking a wait and see brief on Leeds as well I just I just, I, yeah, I just, I'd be a little scared. I'd be just a little scared with maybe some of the signings that they made. I don't love Ethan Ampadu as a player, and also just I think we saw at Leeds last season some really poor management in terms of the change of managers and not having a core philosophy. I just, I'd be a little bit scared about how disorganised they are as a club and that being kind of reflected on the pitch. But yeah, I think definitely the championship could have a better value outside of the top three sides. 
Uh, Sam Allardyce barking his way through games at the end of the season. That's not really the end point that you want to reach. Last but not least, he's been crunching the numbers and buffing up the XG robots all summer. It is the dashing data doctor himself, Jake Osgathorpe. Jake, we're not going to mention your beloved Sheffield Wednesday just yet, unless you think they're going to win the title. No? Uh, no, absolutely not. No. <laughs> so um, who is? <laughs> um, yeah, it, everyone that's gone before me had made extremely good points as you'd expect on this show um and it is really difficult to kind of decipher especially at the prices um Leicester to me look too short that like Emmett just said they've got unbelievable quality but you are taking a, a punt on a, a unproven manager Leeds are probably my least fancied I don't I mean Daniel Farkey's done a great job at Norwich and he has had good squads both times with Norwich but I just look at that Leeds squad it does look a bit thin um you know they loaned out a lot of the players that they signed last season uh I'm sure there'll be more incomings um which will you know make them look a lot stronger I think Southampton that they loaned them wasn't it rather than being able to sell them I mean maybe that's the the crushing they're going back up, of the market. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say that it, it, it seems like we saw it with Burnley, didn't we? With Weghorst, he loaned him out because obviously you've got wages at that level that you don't want yeah. to have to pay. Um, if you can get some sort of a loan fee as well for those players that could help with recruitment uh, for the season. But like George said, they're, they're, they're loaning those players out because they're planning on being in the Premier League next season for them players to come back in. Um, but yeah, I, I think Southampton could be the, the interesting package because I've just looked at the squad and it has the very familiar feel of like a bit the Burnley from last season. Quite a lot of young, unproven, unknown players that could really take off. Um, and it does feel as though you know we've said it quite a lot on the um, on the, the podcast from previous years. Southampton just kind of sleepwalked to relegation, but it seems like last season they almost thought right there is a chance we're going to go down, so we're going to get in players that will probably be good in the championship. Now, all the young players that they brought in that barely had a kick last season. You know, likes of Sekumara, um, Samuel Edioze, like those players probably were bought for this kind of championship season. And, and you know, they've kept I wonder hold of if them. you're giving them a bit too much credit, you know. I, it, I, it's always a, it's a contingency, is, isn't it? It's a contingency. Yeah, I guess. My suspicion is they pivoted to this idea of developing young talent and selling it on and then made some crazy managerial decisions that sent them down. I'm, I'm, we don't know for definite, but my gut feeling is they didn't expect to be relegated, and it's kind of a happy coincidence. That yeah, got these young players. I mean, you're probably right, but I I just think it's it is always a continuity. You look at what Luton are doing in the Premier League at the minute, and there's a lot of people writing them off because they're signing kind of lower league EFL Championship players, and almost it seems as though they're preparing themselves for life in the Championship to almost have a, a bounce back. And we saw it with Burnley back in was it 2014, 15. They got promoted, they came straight back down, but they were in such a good position because of all the signs that they made that they could bounce straight back up. And before you know it, you've got two lots of parachute payments that you can go towards building a squad for a sustained period of success. And I think Southampton, as you've said, they brought in young players, so there's a potential for resale, but also they're in a position where they've got like pretty much an entire squad full of 20 to 27-year-olds that are yet to hit their peak. And if, they, if one of them has a really hot season, that could be enough to carry them to promotion you know you've got like Carlos Alcaraz who looked really good in the Premier League last year yeah he's, he's really there. good isn't he excellent um, player yeah like Suleimana looked really good at spells as well when he when he was in Gineppo Nathan Teller's obviously scored a lot of goals for Burnley last season in their promotion season you've got Adam Armstrong who scored a lot of goals in the championship previously Che Adams as well who's going to be a really good handful at, at this level so you know there's a lot to like about the squad and I just guess the question mark for me is the manager um Russell Martin I know 
there's a lot of people that are big fans of him, the way in which he works, his process, etc. I think he'll get them playing really good attacking football, but defensively, wherever he's been, they have been quite susceptible just because they take a lot of risks. And, and I just hope for him that he's got the players at the back in midfield that can deal with that kind of pressure that he puts on them uh, in terms of keeping the ball and taking those risks. And Southampton would be the one I'd look at in terms of winning the league, at, at just at the prices. But I agree with the lads in general. I think there's more value to be had looking a bit further down and, and in the, the various different markets. Yeah, George, let's let's broaden it out a little bit then beyond who might win the thing or even who might go up automatically. Who are you looking at that might get into the top six that people don't necessarily expect? Who are the surprises going to be in that top half, do you think? It's interesting you use the word surprise because we had Ipswich third in our on our one to twenty fours in the championship. And it, it's funny that you can see people who don't, you know, people who consume this kind of content who don't really pay any attention to the to the odds, where people couldn't believe it. Like we were having re- replies saying, How have you got a team who finished second last season in in League One up in third in the championship? And you say, Well, actually, you know, the the fifth favourites for the title here. Like it's not, it's not as if we're taking a team who are expected to be to be relegated and putting them up into third. They did and come if anybody who watched season, them play I, last season, they'd know what you're talking well, about. Well, this right? is not only have I been covering um League One for you know professionally for the last seven or eight years, but I've also watched a lot of League One football in my life. Yeah. And there's no doubt in my mind that Ipswich were by far the best League One side I've ever seen. You know, they were unbelievable under Kieran McKenna last season, just relentlessly good. And I think a good measure of this, you know, I know. You know, the table never lies. Disciples will will wonder what I'm talking about, but like you know, points a points tally is one measure, right, of a of a team's um, performance over the course of the season. And it is the one that matters, but there are plenty of other ones, whether you get into XG or not or whatever else. Another one is just goal difference, which shows over the course of the season that the, the scale of dominance of one team versus the rest of the league over the course of a campaign. And if you consider that last season, Ipswich's goal difference over the course of a 46 game campaign was plus 66. The wow. only team that is comparable to is Manchester City, who are plus 61 from a 38-game season. Like if That puts Ipswich and, and City so far clear, basically, of the rest of, of the teams in English football. And that, in my mind, is the better reflection of where they are. You also consider last season, they were massive favourites against Rotherham in the FA Cup, who were a kind of lower mid-table championship side and beat them very easily, or beat them fairly comfortably, I should say. They played Burnley over two legs and were way closer in the market to Burnley than most championship sides. You know, that is a reflection of where Ipswich were last season. Not only have they managed to keep McKenna and the fact that McKenna, um, you know, he was supposedly or reportedly offered the opportunity to speak to Leicester and he rejected it. I think it shows the ambition that he feels that, that Ipswich have going forward. We know that they are, you know, they're funded by a, a Florida a Florida pension fund, which I'm not entirely sure how that works. But uh, in terms of the, the finances involved, they seem to be very secure all um, these retained. Floridians going, we've invested in what? <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know. George Hurst. Um, but it's, uh, you know, you, you look at the <laughs> the team they had last season and they've managed to retain all of their players, not even a sniff of any of them leaving. Omari Hutchinson is, is one of the few additions they've made on loan from Chelsea, who, you know, any Chelsea fan will give you rave reports about. I don't think they really have to improve to be to be in the mix in this up, up and coming campaign. They are a, a quality side and, you know, looking at, at the markets now, I think they opened up around twenty to one. Um, that is all to, to win the league. That's all gone. Then now, then our thirteen to one. But I think there's still a bit of value, maybe in in the top six market where they're eight to five. But I like them in the promotion market, um, which is where I think you're getting the most juice at four to one. You know, they're they're a bigger price for promotion than their um, their their neighbours down the road in Norwich. And you know, Norwich fans are, in particular have been 
just totally they can't believe that we've had it switch up in third, but I'd be I'd be fairly bullish in a match bet between those two. Good old Wagner ball making its impact in the championship. Uh, Emmett, if you're going to broaden it out a bit beyond the top two or three, who should we be looking at? Yeah, it's it's it's, it's, it's interesting in the championship. Uh, Mark actually had a, had a tweet about this, um, so I'm just going to I'm going to parrot his tweet here. In seven, shamelessly in, stealing O'Hare's work. Yeah, in eighteen of the last twenty three championship seasons, a side priced up at twenty to one or bigger has finished in the top three. So last season that would that would, that was obviously Luton and and uh, Huddersfield at a massive price 21-22 went up. So I was looking for a team that were kind of a bit more off the beaten track, and the one I like. Is, is Millwall. So Millwall had the expected goals of a kind of a top six team last season. And I think they're, I think importantly, when you're a team of Mill, Millwall's resources, in terms of you want to punch above their above your weight, their head of recruitment, Alex Aldridge, showed an ability to kind of re- recruit cleverly outside of England. They signed Zion Fleming from F- F- Fortuna Sittard, who's outstanding last year, 15 goals. And Burnley have had bids rejected for him this summer. They say, spent the same amount of money that they did on Fleming, on Casper Denora, a central, central midfielder from Leuven in Belgium, as well as Kevin Nisbet from Hibernian, who's been consistently prolific in SPL level. Joe Bryan and Wes Harding on free transfers, I think, look like decent additions um, at kind of championship level. And to me, this just has, this squad has kind of solid top six contender written all over it. And you can get them, you get them 10 to 3 currently for top six. So I think there's a bit of value in that, especially if you're doing kind of accumulators kind of between the divisions. And if you want to take a bigger swing, I like them 15 to 2 for promotion as well. Come on then, Mark, seeing as you've inspired Emmett, who is this mystery team we should be looking for then? Uh, it's already been mentioned. Uh, George has already done a, a fantastic rundown. It's Ipswich Town for me. Um, I think there was a time maybe a decade or two or so ago when uh, going back to back through the EFL divisions wasn't a, a massive shock, but the, the sort of chasm between the Premier League and the rest has, has created a bit of a gap, which has widened over time, understandably, with the, the money involved in the top flight. But Sunderland proved last year that uh, you can go straight up and, and challenge for promotion yet again, obviously falling short. But um yeah, I don't think you can ignore Ipswich and, and what they've achieved over the past 12, 18 months. Uh, they were the highest rated side to come out of League One this century. I think they can do real damage in this division. They look box ready for a, a promotion push, a top six challenge at the bare minimum, really. Uh, I agree with George as well on the, on the best selections here. I've got them at 3.1 on the exchange to finish in the top six, uh, but also like the four to one on them to be promoted as well. It's obviously going to be very competitive, but as George says, they are the fifth favourites in the division. There is no secrets really about this side. They're in a massively impressive club uh, on and off the field. Kieran McKenna's worked wonders, really. He's very adaptable, versatile, very impressive head coach. And just going on the underlying numbers, I know George mentioned that the goal difference of plus 66, which was almost twice as good as Plymouth's, who won the league. Uh, they were so dominant in every game. They finished with an expected points tally of 99, which is absolutely outrageous, really. Um, so, yeah, Ipswich, for me, would be the, the recommendation. If you do look at the, the sports book and you look at the top six or maybe the exchange, one of the two, uh, Ipswich are 3.1, which is uh, only a slightly bigger price than Norwich in the same market. Uh, and the same price as Watford. Um, again, just like George said, I would take Ipswich to finish above both of those uh, every day of the week at the minute. So, yeah, quite uh, quite invested on on the Tractor Boys to go well. Jake, is this where we mentioned Sheffield Wednesday? 
No, we're still not there yet, unfortunately. <laughs> um, although, having said that, if we're talking about League One dominance and goal difference, Sheffield Wednesday weren't too far away from Ipswich. I mean, maybe twenty goal difference just behind. Um, it's just it's just the continuity issue, isn't it? Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of things have happened this summer, um, which you know it's been everywhere, hasn't it? It's been it's been great to see Wednesday in the news, but also not for a positive perspective. Yeah. Means it's, it's not <laughs> as good. Um, but yeah, we're not there yet. I think we've got maybe another twenty minutes to the relegation section, but. Um, yeah, I, I think I got Ipswich down as well. I think Ipswich, everything the guys have said, we've got them down as the best data team we've ever seen since we started collecting from a League One perspective. Um, my only question mark around Ipswich really is, I know George has said there, McKenna turned down the Leicester job, but if a Premier League club comes in for him mid-season, will he still hang around? You know, if, if there's a big Prem club that are struggling at the wrong end of the table and they come knocking on his door... Yeah, that's always the kind of risk you take, isn't it? But you'd hope that if they're a smartly run football club, they've got a decent um, succession in place, a uh, plan in place to bring someone else in. Um, but yeah, the other two I was looking at really were Middlesbrough, which is no surprise to anyone given how impressive they were last season. Um, six, one sixteen of 24 to start under Carrick, third most points after he took over. Underlying data was uh, a match for that as well. So they had best attack in the division under Michael Carrick, averaging nearly 1.8 expected goals for per game. Um, the third best expected goal difference per game, which was just behind Burnley and Sheffield United, uh, and the third most expected points per game. So they were already performing at a, you know, as the best team of this current crop. Um, so yeah, they, they look good to go again. You can get odds against so on them to finish in the top six. In fact, I think we put them up last season in this top six market, and they were just slightly bigger at six to five. And there were there's far fewer question marks this time around. Um, you know, I know they had Wilder in charge, who was very seasoned heading into last season. Now you've got Carrick, you've got a really decent body of work. So that 11 to 10 looks a huge price to me for them to just finish in that top six. Um, and then the other one, not a team that's been mentioned so far, is West Brom um, to finish in the top six. It's so a 15 to 8. It looked big. And the reason it looked big is just purely based on the data. Um, only Burnley, Sheffield United and Middlesbrough averaged more expected points per game than West Brom after Corbyn took over. Um, the fourth best attacking process, the fourth best overall process. So they were hitting some really good underlying numbers and not getting the results um, on the back of it. So there's a little bit of mis- uh, a bad fortune as to why they didn't finish higher up in the table. Um, the squad looks good enough to compete, whether it's good enough to compete for an automatic promotion or whether they'll be around the fringes of a like a fifth, sixth, seven, eighth kind of battle um, remains to be seen. But I thought 15 to eight looked a fairly big price, given that you've got Corbran, who's a very highly rated coach, who's got a you know a massive overperforming season under his belt at Huddersfield to get them into the top six. Um, they could well be one to keep an eye on. Now, trying to pinpoint who the top scorer will be in the division is often a tricky challenge, but we're going to take on the responsibility right now. George, I was surprised to see 900-year-old Jamie Vardy top the betting here at 7-1. to one. Um, It's already been mentioned that if Patson Dacker's still there, he could t- score goals in the championship. We don't know what's happening with Ian Acho. Is Vardy going to play enough? Yeah, that's it. I think, I think kind of Emmett spoke about it a second ago. We're sitting here where we are now. I've never seen a team have three players or single figures for a top goal scoring market. And that is because, you know, Vardy, Daka, and Iheanacho are obviously all very capable of scoring 25, 30 goals in a season. But we have no idea who's going to play the minutes. So, again, as was the case with the um, backing Leicester 130 to, to win the league, I, I think you'd be just guessing right now 
you know you're, you're better off waiting until you've watched the first couple of games seeing how they're playing seeing who's getting on the end of chances and even if you're taking a couple of ticks shorter at least you're, you're taking out the risk there of and the possibility of one of these guys not really being involved. I think it's a really interesting market this year as well. I mean, for that reason, I'm, I'm basically ignoring all three of those to start with, uh, especially because, you know, you've got, you're running the risk. You back Ian Acho now, he scores two goals in the first two weekends and suddenly he's playing for Everton. Like, um, yeah. you, you don't really want that to be to, to be the case. Um, yeah. Joel Peru, second favourite, who's, you know, scored a lot of goals in the last two seasons, playing under a different manager in, in Mike Duff. If he stays at Swansea, Duff very much. Uh, a manager who demands a high press from his strikers. It's not really Peru's game. He's brought in Jerry Yates, who I, I think makes way more appeal at, at 33 to 1. A player who scored 14 goals last season for a really poor Blackpool side, a player who's taken penalties at Blackpool as well. Um, you look at Duff's record with that kind of striker. You know, Devante Cole uh, had been had a really disappointing career up to last season where he scored, I think, 15 in League One. Um, you also look back at Alfie May, who wasn't really scoring many goals at Cheltenham before Mike Duff came in and turned him in from like a diminutive attacking player into suddenly a 20-goal-a-season striker over, over two seasons. So um, I, I'd ignore... Um, Pirro at this stage, chance he moves on, in which case he might become more interesting. Uh, True Brackpom, last season's winner, in my mind, is another one that you could, you've got to swerve at this stage. He hasn't played at all in pre-season, um, supposedly injured, but also supposedly Sheffield United's main target to replace Iliman and Jai. So you'd be backing a player who's had one brilliant season and, and you know, I hope he's one of the lads' selections, but um, for my mind, <laughs> too short right now. So Yates is one. I mean, the other one I'd flag up is, um, and this again, I think would be, very much a, a win-only bet. The reason I'm not putting Ritter up is because he's he's 20 to 1 in from 40 to 1. So I think the price has kind of gone there. Um, is uh, a player called Luis Semedo, Hemir, as he's known now by Sunderland fans. Now, again, I think preseason is is irrelevant here. But where we sit today, he's had an unbelievable preseason for Sunderland, which means that he will be starting up front for Sunderland to, to kick off the season. Now, that in itself is important because even though he's a 19-year-old from Benfica, um, Ross Stewart is out until the back end of September and there is still a lot of speculation that he may be moving on. Talk that Middlesbrough might be looking to replace Tuber Akpon with him. So, you know, we've seen Sunderland with Stewart leading the line with White before that being a, a team where the, the main striker can score a lot of goals. Um, under Tony Mowbray, we know there'll be an attacking side we, with, with Jack Clark, Patrick Roberts, Alex Pritchard. You know, these really creative attacking players around him, it feels like he's in an environment where he could score a lot of goals. So, as I say, win only because maybe he won't, you know, take to English football straight away and Ross Stewart's back playing again in a few weeks' time. But, you know, when you consider the prices of the other supposed starting strikers for teams who are within that bracket of teams you expect to finish somewhere between first and tenth, uh, he seems like a big outlier at 40s. Mark, where are you going in this market? Uh, I was looking towards Coventry, um, who've made astonishing progress under Mark Robbins in the last couple of years, culminating in that, in that playoff final defeat. Um, lost their star striker, Victor Jokeres, a big money move to sporting in the summer, but they've invested that money quite wisely, I think. Um, so I have to look at Ellis Sims, who will be his uh, like-for-like replacement, a very different kind of striker to Jokeres. He's all-round, um, all-action kind of uh, physical, got pace. He's enjoyed three very good loan spells away from Everton. He's now 22, looks ready for 
the, the opportunity to be the main man with a permanent move. Um, quick, strong. We know he can finish. He scored seven goals in 17 for Sunderland last term. A goal every 162 minutes. If he can equal or better that, I think he'll be in the running. He's 25 to 1, which looks worthy of a, an each-way interest. I think Coventry are very much more the, than the sum of their parts, really. And if Gus Hamer stays, you know, Sims will have tons of opportunities there with Callum O'Hare returning from injury as well to sort of bolster that supply line. I think it is worth noting, though, that on Tuesday night, there was talk about uh, Hadji Wright moving the American forward, uh, moving to Coventry from Turkey for another big money move as well. He's got a very similar frame and skill set to Sims, but um, I think Sims is obviously the more reliable prospect there. And yeah, he was wanted by Ipswich in the summer as well. So two smart clubs chasing his services shows he's he's well thought of and well capable of making a, a bit of a splash. Uh, the other one at 50 to 1, um, I think Reese Healy might be worth a bit of a pop. Um, I don't have any strong feelings really on Watford in, ten, in terms of finishing in the top six, but I do think in Valeriel, Valerie and Ishmael, they've got a coach there who could give you a good run for your money uh, if all things slip into place quite quickly. And Healy, um, coming back to English football after a spell in France, he was a real hot shot for MK Dons before moving to Toulouse. Um, excellent in the second tier. I think he won the player of the season over there. 39 goals and 77 games in France. Top scorer in 21-22. Had a bad injury, so he missed most of last season, but he came back and scored on the final day of the season against Monaco. If he is able to stay injury-free and if he is the starting striker, which it looks like he will be, um, I think Ishmael will have a system designed to get the ball in the box and Healy could be the fox in the box required to sort of get 15, 20 goals. Um, I still think there is quite a lot of creativity in that Watford squad, so uh, there will be an element of transition, but I think Healy, for me, is a bit too big at 50s. There was sort of 66s floating around on opening show. I think 33 to 40 to 1 would be, more, be a bit more of an accurate price on, on a player of his potential. Let me just check here that Watford haven't sacked Ismail just while we're recording this. No, they haven't. He's still he's still the Watford manager, so he's still okay. Uh, Emmett, where would you go in the top scorer market? Yeah, I, don't, I, I, I like all the, all the shouts the lads have mentioned, but the one that could appeal to me was um, Connor Chaplin, each way 25 to 1. I think the lads have, have kind of spoken kind of about the high expectations we have for Ipswich this season. But I, I think, like, we saw them last season, like they're scoring 100, 101 goals in League One, 19 more than the second highest scoring team. I think if 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 it kind of doesn't translate for them stepping up in class, I think it might be defensively. Whereas I, I would expect it, I would expect it to be a really high scoring team in the Championship. Um, Chaplin was second top scorer in in League One last year, but he had by far the most, the highest kind of shots per game in the league with three point six per game. So I think there might be some kind of positive regression coming his coming his way next season. And he he might think he's just a really solid each way proposition. And I just um, to kind of echo what George said, I, I definitely take take a watching brief on some of the on on those Leicester players and until the kind of transfer window closes and the kind of opening team selections have been made for Leicester. And Jake, what name of the XG robot spat out on their little sheet of paper? Well, it's not Lee Gregory and it's not Michael Smith. So um, Wednesday still don't feature here. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, the main one I got down was Ellis Sims. Um, similar thoughts to Mark, really. I, I think Coventry will have another really good season. I think they've been slightly underestimated in the market um, somewhat. But yeah, you're looking at, as it stands anyway, Sims is going to be the you know the, the sole striker you know Gokarez was the main guy last season hit 21 goals um obviously Sims played in the championship last season for Sunderland got seven in 17 before being recalled by Everton to basically sit on the bench while they played someone else up front um but while he was in the championship he averaged 0.4 expected goals per 90 which is 
you know, it's, it's, a, it's a good tally. I think he'll improve more with more minutes. But just to, for some context, um, that XG penalty rate was the same as 20-goal striker Carlton Morris last season, 17-goal striker Nathan Teller. And it was better than Zayn Fleming, who got 15, Illuman and I, who got 14, Jerry Yates, who got 14, and Ben Brereton Diaz, who got 12. So if he hits the same kind of um, level from a, you know, XG penalty perspective, getting on the end of chances that regularly... Over a full season, you'd probably expect him to get somewhere between 15 and 20 goals if Coventry continue as they are um, in terms of their their progression under Mark Robbins. So that, for me, with the each way that you get in there, I think it's um, four places. That, that for me, looks like the, the main play. But I also had Connor Chaplin down for the same reasons as Emmett mentioned. Come on then, Jake. It's time. We can talk about Sheffield Wednesday. It's the relegation market. Come on then. Are they going to... Are they going to struggle? Are they going to be sucked into the drop zone? How do you think Wednesday are actually going to do? It's the it's going to be the old cliche of is there three worse teams than Sheffield Wednesday? Um, at the prices, I mean, they've been clipped in a little bit. They were five to one when they opened, they're now seven to two, which is not surprising given all the off-field shenanigans that have, that have gone on. Um, Just explain to people who don't know what are those off-field shenanigans. Darren Moore went, and everybody was what Darren Moore went, even though he took him up. I mean, the guy literally overturned or kind of did the unthinkable and got the players to believe that they could actually advance past a 4-0 first leg deficit um, and then won the playoff final. And then, you know, Chancery, the owner's the only man that's come out. Darren Moore's kind of kept his peace, which I think shows the class of the man um, that, that you know, there's some something's happened in the background and Chancery's basically saying that Moore wanted more money. Um, that was you know, couldn't really afford to pay him that kind of money, and they kind of just went the separate ways. There's probably more gone on, and we've only heard one side of it as it stands. But yeah, that along with um, the fact that we've still got massive financial fair play restrictions, we can't go out and spend lucrative amounts of money, um, and we've got a very old squad as well. There's a lot of old boys in that team um, that were perfect for League One, that kind of experience. Um, but when you come up to the Championship, I think it's going to be a bit of a, a big step up for them, and. We brought in the Zisco Munoz is the the new guy. Um, he was one of Watford's many managers. He actually got them promoted from the Championship, so he's got a decent um, CV from his single season in the Championship, I think. Um, but yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see how he kind of adapts this squad that, on paper, doesn't look like it'll fit his style at all. Um, they made a few signings to try and bolster things up a little bit, but all in all, as you can tell, it's not very um, optimistic heading into the campaign. Um, yeah, it's for me, like I said at the start, it's just a case of are there three teams that are going to perform worse over the course of the season? And um, I'm sure, given Chancery's track record, there'll be some in season thing that happens where manager will get sacked or he'll have a fight with a player or something like that. Um, it's just, yeah, there's never a dull moment at the minute at Sheffield Wednesday. Um, but yeah, I, I would have taken Sheffield Wednesday to be relegated at five to one. I think seven to two is probably a fair price right now. And then I would probably be looking maybe at uh, Mark's team. Yes, well, we'll come to that in a moment, actually. Um, in fact, let's come to it now. George, I read uh, the previews that you guys did uh, from the Not The Top 20 podcast. And uh, to use a technical term, it looks like QPR are on their ass. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I think Mark will probably agree, so I don't feel too bad saying it. Um, <laughs> the, the, it's crazy to think that not that long ago, um, QPR and Reading... I mean, it was in October, I think, QPR and Reading played a championship game where the winner would go top of the championship. And currently, Reading are 
you know, spoiler alert, my selection for relegation from League One and QPR, yeah, my selection from relegation from, you worry about that. <laughs> from, from the championship. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's a rudderless club right now. You consider um, the fact that Tony Fernandez, the co-owner, has sold his shares and left, that Les Ferdinand, who has been, um, you know, the director of football for, for so many years, has left. It also surprised me to read that since um, QPR's last relegation from the Premier League, I think 2015-16 was it, they've only finished in the top half or the top 10 once ever since then. So they've been a club who, despite flirting at times with being a decent championship side, have, have never really troubled any kind of promotion spot. And when you consider that Gareth Ainsworth came in, I personally thought, having kept them up last season, we were going to see an influx of Gareth Ainsworth players, you know, a, a mixture of quality delivery from wide, big target men strikers, and then players who could run off them. And it hasn't really happened. You know, Lyndon Dyke signed a new contract, which makes sense. But in pre-season, they've been lining up with Taylor Richards, Ilias Chair and Chris Willock all playing in behind. And that just doesn't make any sense because the way that Ainsworth likes to play just bypasses all those diminutive kind of flair players. Uh, I don't really understand where the a chain of command lies now like the you know who is going to be if, if Ferdinand has gone hasn't been replaced a head of performance has come in I don't think he's going to be the person who's going to be looking to to uh, make decisions on Ainsworth's future I don't know who would bring in the, the the manager to replace him either so it feels like a total mess again pre-season I don't you can buy into it at all but certainly the the final defeat to Oxford last time out doesn't put the fans in a particularly strong position I've seen a lot of QPR fans asking for Ainsworth to be sacked before a ball has even been kicked so yeah, it's a total mess. Um, you know, they're, they're five to two currently for relegation with the sports book. I think that is still more than fair. The other one I just flag up before passing over is is Hull at five to one, uh, and I'm really surprised to see quite a lot of preseason optimism from both Hull fans and and, and onlookers. I don't really get it at all. Um, Ashwin Elishali, their Turkish owner, has come out this summer and said that they need to cut their cloth accordingly because they overspent or not overspent, but have invested heavily in the last couple of years. Yes, Ozan Tufan, Jean Seri. Oscar Estupinian, you know, are fair players, but they were also key players in a side that finished 19th last season. No additions of note really at all. Um, Liam Senior is a, a very good talker and an impressive guy, but I'm yet to see any significant signs of, of decent managerial uh, talent there at the moment. Not to say that won't happen. I think they're being not not written off for relegation, but I do think the five to one doesn't really align with what we've seen from them. And I know that their, their underlying numbers, their XG data for the back end of last season was, was really poor. So I'd be concerned about them too. Mark, some QPR-based catharsis for you now, or are you going elsewhere in this market? No, two teams we've already mentioned, uh, my own team and Jake's team as well, I think are the, the two that stand out. I think the only issue I have with the championship relegation market is it has been distorted in the last few years because of financial issues and points penalties being handed out. So if you look at the last four seasons, 12 teams to be relegated from this level five suffered points deductions at some stage of the season. So I think you have to be across the financials. Uh, arguably, that's more important really to be across that than, than the footballing quality in this market. And It's quite a grim reality, isn't it? It is. Uh, that's football uh, in today's age. Um, there are murmurings of, of issues surrounding Blackburn, West Brom and Cardiff. So... There would be three to sort of keep an eye on uh, in case things did spiral out of control. I think Blackburn and West Brom should, in theory, be, be well set to, to consolidate at least. Uh, Cardiff, I like what they've done in the transfer market, uh, question marks surrounding their head coach. But 
We'll see uh, Preston and Rotherham obviously going to be sort of having to, to punch above their weight with their budgetary issues. But um, yeah, I think all the signs point towards QPR and Sheffield Wednesday outside of that sort of clutch is, is potentially in trouble. Um, Rangers, for all the reasons that George has outlined, um, it's it's very hard to be so kind of pessimistic coming into the season as a QPR fan. But the dramatic drop off last season was well documented. Uh, nothing over the summer has been done to sort of alleviate concerns or issues that that might suggest it could happen again. Uh, I didn't think Gareth Ainsworth was the right man for the job in the first place. Like George, expected him to put down a bit of a marker in the in the market and sign some of his own players. But we've seen very little movement so far. Jack Colback just come in on Tuesday, which will at least add a bit of steel, but he won't be ready yet for a couple of weeks this talk that Steve Cook will come in but you know an aging centre half we are absolutely you know, on our feet in terms of available availability at centre back at the minute because Jimmy Dunn was injured quite badly in that pre-season defeat at Oxford last weekend so we've only got one available centre half coming into the weekend and um, I think our whole hope really rests on the shoulders of uh, Ilias Chair and Chris Willock really to to pull this club through because they are the the two big sellable assets and, and Rangers effectively need to sell at least one of them before next season to, to sort of comply with FFP as well. So we are hamstrung almost on and off the field right now. So there's no depth to that squad. It's very dour. It's very depressing. Uh, you've probably seen the Ainsworth quotes after the Oxford game saying we're up against it, which is, you know, filling the fans with uh, real optimism ahead of the start of the season. But uh, yeah, and then Wednesday, you know, I can't really add too much more to what the guys have said. I think they're lacking in a number of key areas. I think the spine is quite weak in terms of athleticism and ability. Um, and I just think you look at the prices right now. I, I can't really work out why Plymouth considered five to two shots in the Sheffield Wednesday, seven to two. I know a lot of underlying metrics will have gone into that and Plymouth didn't exactly dominate the expected goals models last season, but uh, they're in a much, much better place than Sheffield Wednesday right now. I expect them to be absolutely fine. And I think it's actually a bit, a bit of an insult to see that Birmingham are ranked at the seven to two alongside Sheffield Wednesday, a club who've been taken over recently and have a, made some good moves in the transfer market to strengthen the squad, already have a, a solid head coach in place too. So yeah, Wednesday and QPR would be the, the big concerns there and, and the prices I'd be attacking. MS, are you going to kick QPR while they're down or are you taking a different angle? I know the, the, the lads have done plenty enough kicking, kicking for me, but I, I, I agree <laughs> with all the sentiment. Mark mentioned Blackburn there. They're the one that kind of stood out to me just in the sense that for a few reasons, Mark mentioned that the kind of financial issues, kind of there's reports of kind of a transfer freeze this summer. There was there was even a kind of a media story that their manager, Yondal Thomason, was thinking of resigning. Never a great sign before the season's even started. And they've um, last season as well, they were in a kind of a false position by XG. They finished seventh in the league, but the their expected goals numbers said they were kind of closer to the 17th best team in the league. So you'd be expecting regression regardless of any kind of financial issues. And then they and, and obviously they sold Bren Barrett and Diaz. And uh, who's obviously a huge player for them. Bradley Dack didn't play as much last year as he did in previous seasons, but he still, when he when he did play, he when he did play, he was still a key player. So you're looking at two key players gone, not really being not really being properly replaced. I would say. And then you've potential for kind of further upheaval, I would say, during the season in terms of maybe better players de- departing and kind of a possible points deduction. So all of that makes their kind of current price around th- thirteen to two fairly appealing to me. Yeah, can I just out? Oh, I was just going to add, um, especially in this current day and age of the championship, there is generally one team that contends the previous year that is almost immediately thrust into a relegation battle, just because it seems as though you've got almost a two to three year cycle where you can spend the money, you contend for a couple of years, but then FFP comes knocking on your door and you have to rein things in a little bit. And then it's just hanging on for dear life. I mean, you've seen the clubs 
like you like your Ipswich, like your Sheffield Wednesday, like your Derby's, that it's just, you know, they get into playoff finals, they get into playoff semi-finals, and then a few years later they're in League One. And it is just because there is that cyclical nature of you get two, three cracks at Premier League. And obviously the smartly run football clubs like your Lutons, your Brentfords, that just consolidate and they're quite happy and quite happy and then they do things in a smart way and eventually get the, the you know just baby steps whereas these bigger clubs they're just throwing cash at it you know reading was similar just throwing cash trying to get up to the promised land as quickly as they can not thinking two or three years ahead that actually this is going to come and bite us um and you know that that we've seen that with Huddersfield as well you know they were up in the playoffs under Carlos Corbran they just survived last season so there's absolutely um worthwhile looking further down the the list in terms of the odds for relegation some big clubs do end up slipping through the cracks um but then i'll also caveat my caveat with the fact that the relegation market <laughs> is in my opinion it's one of the most toughest markets to try and assess at the start of the season because there's so much that can change you know last season like halfway through the campaign maybe even three quarters of the way through the campaign like quite a lot of us on this panel were looking like absolute geniuses because we've got Huddersfield to go down at nine to one we're thinking this is absolutely hosing in they've got no chance of surviving but managerial change, January transfer window, and all of a sudden they get through clear. And, and for, for, your, for your initial time. your initial like correctness and uh, a, a spot in that angle, you don't really get rewarded. And it was the same in the Premier League as well with like Wolves did the same, Everton, change a manager, bring some players in, and all of a sudden your pre-season, predict, your pre-season kind of edge, if you like, is completely washed away. So that's something to bear in mind when you're putting on relegation. It's just the fact that it is such a volatile market in the sense that if things aren't going well how you know this day and age literally managers out the door new manager comes in and anything can happen from there lovely jake just getting his excuses in there before we even get to september uh there's no doubt that injury time goals are a great source of drama in football that aguero moment solskjaer breaking Bayern's hearts and sergio roberto completing the remontada for barcelona against paris saint-germain but those goals can be a pain in the pocket if they ruin your bet so we're introducing 90 minute payouts now when you bet on the result of a match you can still win even if there's injury time drama if the clock hits 90 minutes and you've got the right result as it stands your bet wins when the match ticks into injury time now this is a match odds market it's only available pre-match but you can use it in your hackers and your bet builders there is a handy faq section on our website betting.betfair.com t's and c's in the description 18 plus see gambleaware.org to League One then, and in the Not the Top 20 League One preview that you can read on betting.betfair.com. You guys, George, have tipped up Bolton as the team to beat, so let's put a bit of meat on the bone of that. Yeah, we have. Um, their second favourites uh, currently at 5-1 to one behind Derby at 7-2. to two. In, in a similar way to, to the lead selection, I wouldn't be necessarily rushing to back that. I do think the top two in the market are about right. You need to make massive appeal at the prices. Um, I think the reason why we chose Bolton over Derby it was mainly just because if you look at the progression of Bolton season on season, um, you can be fairly confident they're going to they're going to take another step forward. Uh, the one thing I would say is basically the most important thing to understand with League One in any market this campaign is this doesn't feel like a normal League One. This feels way weaker than what we normally see in terms of the the quality of the sides. If, if you consider that last season we lost. 
well, this season we've lost uh, Sheffield Wednesday and Ipswich, two giants for the division, and Argyle, who got 102 points. And the season before that, were very competitive at the top end. Season before that, we lost Sunderland, another giant for the division. Rotherham, who didn't come back down and seem to win the league basically every single time they do get promoted. And then you look at the teams coming up from League Two, where um, none of the four teams that have come up, I think you can make cases for why they would necessarily go straight back up again. The likes of Wrexham, Salford, Stockport, you know, Notts County, if any of those come up next season, you probably could. Then the teams coming down from the Championship, Reading um, in disarray, uh, Wigan with an eight-point deduction. And then even you look at Barnsley, who were playoff playoff finalists last season. They've lost their manager in Mike Duff. They've lost Mads Anderson, their key centre-back, Bobby Thomas as well. Peterborough, way less bullish than usual, talking about cost-cutting. Johnson Clark Harris had the captaincy taken away from him um, and has been transfer-listed because he's in the last year of his deal. It's right for a team to basically come from off the pace, make a late run up the rail, and, and kind of get there in in, in this uh, in this edition of the of the league. So for Bolton, I don't think it would take too much improve them to win win the division. Um, they've lost James Trafford, who was on loan from Manchester City. The fact that he was an eighteen million pound goalkeeper suggests that's probably quite a big loss. But in eight backs, <laughs> they brought in a keeper who is is very very good at, at this level. Lost Connor Bradley, who was on loan from Liverpool, but Josh Baker's Codley have, have replaced him well. Uh, Ian Everett has won two promotions in his career already. Um, one with Barrow from the National League and then, of course, with Bolton from League One. Um, as I say, every season they seem to get better and better and I think they're the team probably to beat. And if you're broadening that out then, George, uh, are there teams that you feel are good value to to make the playoffs that people aren't necessarily considering? Yeah, again, they've kind of been found in the market. I think the two teams that I would really flag up as, as possibly being um, the ones who could come from nowhere to, to be one of the better sides in the league are, are Charlton Athletic and, and Oxford. Um, with Oxford, you know, we I say we because I'm a fan. Um, we, we had one Nothing of the worst wrong with seasons that. possible. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, no, I know. Uh, accusations of bias come my way often, but hopefully this season I'll be okay. Um, yeah, I mean, last season, it, uh, you know, having been like sixth favourites for a promotion, we nearly got relegated. Uh, it was couldn't really have gone worse, but it did mean that the end of, of Carl Robinson's reign, which was, was successful for a, a long period of time, got very, very toxic towards the end. Um, and prior to last season, you know, there were three top eight finishes, two playoff campaigns. Uh, this, you know, Oxford have very, very wealthy Indonesian owners. The, the wage budget will be one of the highest six, five or six in the, in the whole division. Liam Manning's come in, who's a coach that I still think the perception of him before last season MK Dons is the right one. He's destined for, for much brighter things than, than League One. I think when you're a manager and you lose Scott Twine and Harry Darling and you have them basically replaced with um, players who are of nowhere near the, the same quality, he was always going to have his work cut out. And when he left and Mark Jackson came in, there was no improvement at MK. Uh, Ruben Rodriguez, I think, is one of the most exciting signings in the league this season. The player who I think played a big part in, in Macaulay Langstaff scoring 40-plus goals from open play and Notts County. Um, yeah, I think we can probably draw a line through last season. With Charlton, they've just recruited really well. Alfie May, Panuche Kamara, Lloyd-Jones, these are quality League One players. Um, question marks maybe around the manager, Dean Holden, but again, in, a, in what looks to me to be a very weak renewal, I, I, I don't think it would take much for either Oxford or Charlton to improve massively and, and be a player towards the top end. Mark, who's going to challenge at the top and who's going to sneak into the playoffs, do we think? Where's the value? Yeah, I've got two of the same three teams here. I think Bolton, second favourites are five to one. Um, not a price I'd be backing them to win the league at, but I do think there's there's reason to be uh, hopeful about 11 to four payout for a promotion play. 
Um, I think they're going to go very well. Uh, back them for a top six finish last season. They obliged quite quite well. Uh, obviously, another year-on-year year progress. Also got the, the JPT trophy. Very settled squad continuity there. Um, I think they have replaced the goalkeeper quite smartly with Nathan Baxter as well. Uh, Mendes Gomez is a really exciting pickup as well. Should give them a bit of X factor in forward areas. I think defensively and in terms of control, they're very, very good. Obviously, like to play possession-based football. There was a few complaints last season about lacking incision at times. So that's why I think Mendes Gomez could be could be an awesome addition to, to an already very solid spine and side because uh, Dion Charles leading the line there has a terrific goal record at this level too. So I think the 11-4 to on Bolton promotion considering you've got the top two on side as well as the promotion from playoffs is uh is the way to go there obviously failed at that hurdle last season didn't really show up in the semi-finals but uh, they'll be better for the experience and I think they'll be very motivated to go one better this time around as George says it's a it's a weaker league this time around too uh, I like Portsmouth's direction of travel but not enough to sort of back them at the prices still been a lot of turnover there uh high expectations as well for for John Messino uh, who is still quite green in management too so I'll, I'll sort of wait and see but uh Charlton were the ones that uh, appealed to me, really. It was a toss-up between themselves and Oxford for a top-six finish. You could easily back them both, really, at the prices. Charlton a 7-4, Oxford a 2-1. I think both are quite attractive. Charlton have made some really exciting additions, as, as George says, and I think there's a, a semblance of calm around the Valley for the first time in a while now. They've got a really strong spine to that side as well. Uh, a few players who I think are as good as any in the division in their specific positions. Alfie May has been scoring goals for fun for a struggling Cheltenham side should suit that team perfectly. A Charlton team who plays forward-thinking football, scores plenty of goals. Uh, and Kamara as well, who I think is a, an incredible addition in, the, in that midfield too. So they've retained plenty. They've also got a very good youth set, set up as well down there at Charlton. That could complement if they do have injuries. So I think the squad is definitely good enough to compete. Obviously, the question mark over Dean Holden's ability, but um, they're trending upwards and I think they're good enough for a top six finish. Jake, who are we looking at for title and top six? Um, is it a good or bad thing that we all agree? Well, good thing, I guess. People look at all think, oh, they're all saying yeah. the same thing. It's we're good. all we're all on the same tracks. Um, Oxford, I think they they've got excellent potential to really have a proper tilt, like George has already highlighted. It's a very weak looking League One this time around. Um, the last couple have been really strong renewals with some massive clubs and some big budgets. This time it's very thin on the ground, which as he said, there's a, every opportunity you can have an outsider that could um, almost do what Plymouth did. And I know Plymouth did it in a very tough league last season, but they were not fancied at all to go and win the title. Um, yeah, Oxford could well be that team. I mean, Manning's a great appointment. Um, I think he's, you know, the way in which he kind of steadied the ship last season was, you know, very promising. But also, if you just look at the underlying data, um, they were really unfortunate to even be anywhere near the relegation battle. I mean, they, they picked up the sixth most expected points over the course of the campaign. So they were effectively performing like a top 16, but were hanging around the relegation battle for uh, most of the season, pretty much. Um, so the, the, the kind of foundations are there for a really strong campaign this time around. Um, and, you know, like George has said, the sign of Ruben Rodriguez is really exciting. I'm, I'm sure there was probably quite a few Clubs maybe lower about half the championship that were looking at him, so that's a real coup to get him in the door. Um, and that they're, they're yeah, top six at 17 to 10 is interesting for Oxford, but if you did want to go a little bit bigger, take them to win the league at 14 to the bit of each way, um, I wouldn't put anyone off that. And yeah, Bolton are the other one as well. I think, um, like Mark's already highlighted, to be promoted looks a really strong bet. Uh, they were the second best defensive team according to the underlying data last season. So again, really strong foundations to build upon um, going into the new campaign. 
Um, and I, I think, you know, the, the biggest club arguably in this league at the moment is probably Derby. Um, I know they're the favourites to to go up, the favourites to win the league. Um, they've got a really good coach there in Paul Warren, who I think is, you know, is the right man for that job at the moment. And, you know, I, I do think that looking at this market, Derby and Bolton at the top of the market, I'm happy to kind of back both in a double to finish in the top six. It's not an attractive price, but you're getting seven to five. Um, I'd be very surprised if one of those missed out on the top six altogether. Emmett, are you on similar lines or are you just going to do something wild? Pick the worst team in the league to finish top. No, it's kind of a similar line. So nothing, nothing, to, nothing. To, I'm, I'm also very high in Oxford. I just want to kind of say, as a statistical achievement, for Oxford to have been third in shots taken last year and fifth in shots conceded, managed to finish nineteenth, is a really incredible achievement. <laughs> having having watched a lot of that, I can I can add some meat to the bone. Where a lot of those shots were Cameron Brannigan being very frustrated and letting fly from forty yards, and <laughs> I think having a having a goalkeeper this season who hadn't. Uh, had shoulder surgery about 18 months ago should mean that we stopped conceding so many goals from 25 yards. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was going to say that. Like they needed that, that, like that screen was the team that's kind of struggling, struggling in, in both boxes. And as you say, getting um, James Beadle, James Beadle, who's a highly rated England, England or 20 international, who's good on on, on a crew in, I think should should make a big difference there. You've mentioned Ruben Rod- Rodriguez, who looks like one of the kind of standout signings in in League One. I just think it's a good sign as well. That um, their manager Liam Manning was able to convince Everton to send kind of Stanley Mills there, who's a quite a quite a bright prospect, and he was Everton's under twenty one player of the year last year. Apparently, there were Championship clubs interested, but Manning managed to convince Everton that that kind of Oxford was kind of the best place for him to develop, which I think suggests that probably I think I think Manning Manning is kind of a, a kind of a, a, a good communicator, and the kind of the, that the kind of a Premier League club has that much faith in him. I would say is 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 quite a good sign. Yeah, they, they 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 scream a massive bounce back candidate in terms of luck and and kind of regression. Yeah, and kind of anything above six to four, and then to finish finish top six looks good to me. And, and as Jake said, I'd, I'd look at them for each way in the outright. Again, nothing. And if you're looking for kind of a top six double as well, it's, it's one thing you you can do on Betfair that you maybe can't. Other bookmakers is do kind of doubles within those markets. So I'd I'd um. I, I do kind of an Oxford and uh, and Charlton double for all the reasons Mark mentioned. Now, when it comes to the relegation battle, Ruben Sellers has a natty line in roll next, but he did take Southampton down. He might do the same with the Royals. Mark, how do you see Reading doing? George has already alluded to the fact that they're going to struggle this season. Which way do you think they'll go? Yeah, I think there's massive potential for them to to, to struggle and suffer another demotion. Um, this was a market I was really excited to talk about, actually, because you've got four places on your side in the League One relegation market. That normally means shorter priced options. But um, I had three standout candidates for this, including Reading, but two of them have been slashed in the last 24 hours. So, you know, I had Cambridge at nine to four. They're now just 11 to 10. Exeter at four to one. They're now just two to one. So that just leaves Reading. Uh, I think the promoted clubs will be just fine. I think the step up between League One and League Two, we've seen in the past, teams can do it and consolidate pretty well. Uh, I understand it might be concerns around Carlisle and Northampton as probably the weakest of the four. But, uh, you know, I think the market has already sort of built that in. Fleetwood as well got off field issues with a chairman in prison. But it looks like business as usual at the minute. They've got a strong squad. Um, so quite happy to leave them alone at a short price. So Reading were the one, really. You get to them at eleven to two. Um, 
consider Wigan are eleven to four, and obviously start with a an eight point hand, uh, an eight point points penalty. Um, Reading wouldn't be too far off that, you know, the way things are going at the minute. They're in a real pickle off the field under a transfer embargo already. Uh, if they do get a points deduction, that price will be cut quite significantly. The squad to me looks half baked. Uh, there's a general apathy towards the club from supporters who are now actively trying to get rid of the owners to save the club from. I guess, potential oblivion, really. Uh, and look, the Majeski Stadium is a, a pretty solar stadium at the best of times. But when the fans aren't on side, you do wonder how much of that squad will be, will basically have the stomach to dig in and battle, really. And I think the 11-2 doesn't quite factor in everything else that's going on behind the scenes and the potential for that points deduction. So they are a club that could easily spiral out of control. The double relegation isn't uncommon. Um, it is unlikely, of course, but that's factored into the price. So I think when you look at the, you know, turn that 11-2 to into implied percentage chance it's just a 15 percent chance the market is saying that we're reading a relegated and i think that's that's wrong um so yeah happy to back it now and we'll see how things unravel over the next nine months things could easily turn around quite quickly we've seen that in the past but also there's a fair chance that things could go sour i know george has complained about prices tumbling you do realize this is emmet right just slashing markets here there and everywhere i entirely uh, put the blame on emmet george you're not keen on reading either is there anyone else that you think we should be looking at or is that really the laser focus reading i was very keen on cambridge at nine to four sorry yeah nine to four but that's uh, a thing of the past now yeah um, emmet yeah that's just one <laughs> You could actually have the double as well at 20 to 1, the Reading um, Cambridge double, which was because uh, you can double up in this market too. Uh, the one that I would um, flag up is like, a, I mean, I don't anticipate they will get relegated, but I do think the 15 to 2 about Lincoln is surprisingly big. Um, yes, they finished 11th last season. They had a, a very strange campaign where they barely conceded any goals at home. They went on a ridiculous streak of not conceding at home. And they also took a bizarre amount of points against teams at the top end of the table. You know, they took more points off the likes of Ipswich, Argyle, Sheffield Wednesday than anybody else. And they're basically two things I think are wholly unsustainable. You know, they, it wasn't like their expected goals record at home during that time was particularly good. It was just one of those streaks that, that went their way. And also, I don't see why you would be a low in the table side against most teams in the division suddenly be able to, to grind out results against the best it suggests to me that they were probably getting quite fortuitous in those games, especially there was one game against Ipswich where um, I think they were, I think they completed 65 passes in the game and won one nil, which it takes some doing in itself, you know, proper backs to the wall stuff. Um, they've lost Kai Rushworth, who was their keeper on loan last season from Brighton. I, I just think that they're a side who they've got a, a, a budget towards the bottom end of the table. It was an incredible achievement to finish where they did last season, but I, I don't think 15 to two reflects their chances of being in a role in the battle this campaign. And do Emmett or Jake have anyone apart from the teams we've mentioned in the relegation battle? Emmett's shaking his head. Jake, is Jake listening to me? I've just seen him take a glug from his massive water bottle. Jake, did you have anybody that wasn't Reading or Cambridge or Lincoln? Uh, I mean, at a big price, maybe Wickham could be like a, an MK Dons from last season. Was someone that was just not expected to be anywhere near the relegation prices. Um, you know, there's every chance they suffer a bit of a hangover. Gareth Ainsworth, obviously long-term manager. Uh, the results tailed off after he left as well. Um, you know, you're looking at ten to one. They've not really addressed the, the goal score, uh, a potential goal score at the moment. Um, yeah, they, they, I think they're kind of like you know expected to be in that top six mix again, but they could be a potential big price faller. Um, you know, given the things that have gone on. 
but yeah, it's everything the guys have said. I, I like the Reading show. I think that's got a real chance of um, uh, of keeping us nice and interested throughout the campaign. Um, yeah, the, you know, there's a reason the prices are kind of being slashed, isn't there? It's because everyone's seen the picture, really, that that they, this could go really wrongly for uh, for the Royals. So yeah, I'm I'm happy to kind of go along with the guys. Now, Betfair's offering a completely free football lacquer every weekend in August, but you have to opt in to claim it. Maximum free bet varies between £1 and £2 per customer. Minimum combined odds and T's and C's apply. So that's a completely free football lacquer every weekend in August. Now, permit the self-indulgence, but nearly 23 years ago, I did my first ever commentary in what was the equivalent of League Two, as Mark Monnington's double gave Rochdale a 2-0 win at Cheltenham Town. Mike Duff was in the Cheltenham team that day and is now the Swansea manager. Robin Sub-Grant McCann has had managerial spells at Peterborough, Doncaster and Hull. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how the crushing passage of time works and how you can be made to feel very, very old. Uh, Marco Hair, League Two, who are we fancying to go up, whether it's via automatic promotion or via the playoffs? Well, this is a, a fascinating betting heat, I think. It's arguably going to be the most entertaining division this season. And that's not just because of Wrexham and the, the Hollywood influence. I think you've got eight teams at the top of the market who, if they were dropped into League One, could be challenging over the top six quite comfortably, really. That's the standard we're looking at here. Huge budgets for, for this kind of level. Um, Wrexham, unsurprisingly, the favourites, built a, a League One-ready squad in the National League. So, you know, haven't had to make major sort of additions to that. But uh Seven to two for the title, not for me really. When there's very capable alternatives, um, I think they will go pretty well. They'll be there or thereabouts, but it's a price thing. They're effectively going to be playing 46 cup finals, and um, their top goal scorer Paul Mullen will miss the opening month for the season as a minimum, really, after picking up an injury. So Stockport and Notts County, are the two teams next to nine, I much prefer those at the odds on offer. Again, I'm going to duck the outright market because of how competitive the division is. But I think you can focus on a top three finish, which uh, should be quite appealing. And I think Stockport seven to four, Notts County nine to four, both stand out to me. Um, Stockport were, you know, the uh, the preseason favourites at the start of last season after winning the National League came up. Um, were pretty slow starters, really, but over the final 36 fixtures, they were the standout side. In the division, if they had another couple of games, they would have won promotion automatically. They topped the expected points charts over the course of the campaign, fell at the playoffs, but they did have injury issues at the end of the season in their running, which had affected things. But uh, you look at their additions, Nick Powell, Louis Barry, an exciting loanee, and, and Ibu Toure taking from Salford just shows their intent, really. And uh, I think in Dave Challenger, you've got a, a promotion king of a head coach. So expect them to go well. Notts County, I think, are just a very good, viable alternative to Wrexham and a much more appetising price. Uh, they've lost Ruben Rodriguez, as we've already said, to, to Oxford. But to snap up David McGoldrick and Dan Crowley uh, whilst keeping Macaulay Langstaff is is serious business, really, for a League Two team. And I think Luke Williams has implemented a, a fabulous style of football, very entertaining, and I can really see them kicking on now as they step up a level two. Um, I think the interesting element around Notts County is price-based. Um, it's been well documented now as well that last season, when going away to Wrexham towards the end of last season in that sort of winner-takes-all title decider, Wrexham were six to four shots at home to Notts County. So what the market was effectively saying is on neutral turf, Notts County would have been rated slightly higher, basically, the favourites over Wrexham. Um, yet here we have quite a large disparity between the two teams and the outright prices. So Wrexham are 11 to 10 for a top three finish. Notts County with less pressure, less spotlights, but just as good, nine to four. So happy to take the alternative. And, and just one more, really. 
in the top seven market. Uh, I think Salford appeal at six to four, uh, achieved that feat under Neil Wood last season. Uh, joint top scorers in the league. The attack is intact, really. They have one of the best midfields in the division, have strengthened a bit in defence as well. Uh, I think they've got a terrific sort of platform to work from this time around. Uh, underlying metrics were, were always quite strong last season, competed very well with the elite teams as well. Budget-wise, they're amongst the, the strongest in the division too. And I think, you know, if we talk about a top eight in the market, Salford are absolutely amongst that. Uh, that group really and we're just looking for them to finish in the top seven for a payout at six to four really so um again my my ratings actually make the top eight a decent distance better than the rest that's Wrexham, Notts County, Stockport, Salford, MK Dons, Bradford, Gilliam and Mansfield and you know six to four just to not finish eighth or below in that segment uh, is quite appealing to me. Emmett who do you fancy here? Yeah, no, I'd, I'd echo everything Mark said there. I think I think it's going to be just to just to kind of expand on Rex. I think it'll be we've seen a big uptick in kind of requests for, for their matches and kind of customer interest. So I think probably Sky will probably look at that. I think we'll probably see more live League Two matches this season because of them that 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 that, that we would kind of we, we, we would see otherwise. But from a kind of a betting point of view, there is a bit of hype in 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 their price. I feel like I I, I think I I much prefer like like Mark. I much prefer Stockport and uh, and Notts County. Um, I think David McGoldrick was probably the most eye catching signing in the football league this summer. Like this was a guy who was pretty dominant at League One level, twenty two goals in in, in thirty nine games, and just and as I think um, George, I think the not. George and the lads have written about this summer in terms of how complete a striker McGoldrick is. He's not just kind of a, a penalty box player. As I, he when when he played he he played for Ireland. He played a terrible Ireland team, but he was superb at kind of turning these kind of 80-20 balls in the defenders' favour and winning them, and then kind of building the playoff. And he's a really unselfish player, and he's kind of yeah, he's kind of a bit of a he's quite similar to kind of Troy Deeney, I would say maybe. Uh, I think and just these really kind of clever target men who who kind of bring bring a lot more to the team than goals. I think he's an incredible signing for Notts County. And if there's not much kind of age-related decline, I, I, I think he, he, him and Langstaff will, will push Notts County towards the top three. Yeah, um, similarly, Nick Powell, one of the biggest kind of um, most eye-catching additions this summer as well to, to, to Stockport. Stockport just look a really solid team. They're the best, after Christmas, they're the best team in League 2 by four points. Their underlying data was outstanding. So yeah, I, I, I think if you're if I was doing kind of a, a season-long ACA, I'd probably split my stakes on both kind of Stock, Stockport and Notts County for the title. Outside, outside of those, the one I was looking at were Mansfield. Their underlying shot numbers last year were, were excellent and suggest they should be a big improver. But unfortunately, we've been here, I've, I've been here a few times now with Nigel Clough in terms of Mansfield kind of underperforming the quality of their squad. But if they start the season well, they'd be a team I'd be looking at in kind of the positive markets. Yeah, George, there's been a lot of buzz about Notts County and the way they're coached and the football they play. Are you on board that particular train? 100%, yeah. I think Luke Williams is destined for for very, very big things. And I think, you know, we spoke about Kieran McKenna earlier. It feels like for, for Notts County, keeping hold of Williams is going to be the tricky thing, um, especially when you consider that Rob Edwards, um, a, you know, a, a League Two winner has gone and taken Luton up to the championship. I, I have a feeling that pathway is going to become a, a lot more common now. So their difficulty, I think, will be will be being able to, to keep hold of him. Um, the football is brilliant. The only thing I'd say is that we're not necessarily used to seeing teams get promoted out of League Two playing um, expansive football. I think Notts County have to buck that trend, but they've definitely got the quality in their side to do so. Again, you know, 
quotes of kind of 10 to 1 when Wrexham was 7 or 2 back in, in late May, early June were just absolute lunacy. Um, these, there was very little at all between these two sides in the National League. And I do think the Wrexham summer, with regards to only bringing in one player so far in, in Will Boyle, who's a good centre-back, but they've already got about seven good centre-backs on their side, spending most of it touring America, playing against Premier League sides, it, it doesn't seem conducive to me to a good League 2 campaign. And when you consider that Phil Parkinson, this job reminds me a bit of the Sunderland job now, where last season it was being a flat-track bully. This time around, it's high expectation, a buzzing fan base, um, cameras in your face the whole time. And it seems pretty unlikely to me that Phil Parkinson is going to be Rex manager for, for, for that long, uh, with the owners probably wanting to get someone of a certain profile in to, to match the brand. So I'll be avoiding those. Salford, you know, I agree with Mark. They're the ones at the prices now that I'd side with. I, again, there's been kind of steady money for them all summer from 18 to 1 into now, what is it, 13 to 1 outright. Um, I don't understand why they're not being perceived as being one of the Sharks alongside Wrexham, Notts County, Stockport. You know, the last season they finished seventh. Their expected goals ratio was fifth. They went toe-to-toe with Stockport in the playoff semifinals and lost on penalties. There was nothing between the teams then. Matt Smith up front is still a, a great target man for the level, but in Elliot Watt in centre midfield, I think they've got the best ball-playing centre midfielder in League Two. Callum Hendry's a, a brilliant striker, uh, son of Colin, um, but a very different player to the, <laughs> the former yeah. Black, Blackburn player. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're still owned by a combination of the class of 92 and, and billionaire Peter Lim. Like they are a really ambi- ambitious financially financial powerhouse for League Two level. And yeah, top seven seems a huge bet and I, and I fancy them to, to go close again. And just quickly, let's run around the relegation market. Jake, I'm going to start with you. Those crypto bros at Crawley, it's all going well there, isn't it? Um, Yeah. Not very. Um, yeah, the, the Crawley, they've been the, the kind of buzz team in the relegation market, haven't they, for the last week or so. The price has absolutely crashed. They're now into favourites. Understand exactly why that is. Um, uh, again, it, it, there's a lot to like about backing them to be relegated, but at the same time, you've only got two places out of a possible 24. So, um, you know, there's some big, was it Hartlepool, about five to one, six to one last year to go down. So there is a possibility for a kind of a bigger price. But yeah, completely understand why Crawley are, are down there. Um, personally, I want to keep powder dry in this relegation market this time around. Leave this one to the lads. Mark, I'll move on to you. Anybody slap you in the face in this market? Uh, Crawley, for obvious reasons, don't need to sort of go over that. But uh, Newport were the ones actually at, at the price, which I thought uh, could easily see a, a big regression and drop off there. Six to one for for relegation. So um, I really like their, their head coach, Graham Coffin, did a, an exceptional job last season, finished comfortably clear of the relegation zone. But there are big concerns around the club uh, and the wider area because the, the budget has been massively reduced, really. Uh, they've lost a, a clutch of key players, particularly to that defence. Um, basically, four of the back five, including the goalkeeper, have, have all departed this summer. Uh, the replacements um, are underwhelming at best. Um, so for a head coach who kind of prides himself on being defensively resilient, continuity, consistency, that's a huge amount of upheaval at, at Newport's. And, and also at the opposite end of the table, they only averaged 1.15 goals per game last season. Omar Bogle scored 17 goals. Um, he's not accustomed to scoring 17 goal hauls season after season. So if there's any drop off there or any other sort of players in forward areas, um, you know, you can see issues there in both boxes, really. So the combination makes the six to one quite appealing on Newport to, to fall down. But as Jake says, there's only two relegation places here. So, you know, I wouldn't be going overboard here. But um, 
in terms of the the alternatives uh barrow at 13 to 2 compared to newport at 6 to 1 that's really offensive to Barrow who will be looking towards the top half at worst really rather than a relegation battle whereas Newport I cannot see infiltrating the top half at all so uh, yeah just a, a nice price alternative. George I know you guys on the not top 20 have picked out Crawley anybody else? Yeah we put put more come up as well but at seven and two with the two with the two places you know there are off pitch, pitch issues at Morecambe there have been a couple of takeovers um, that haven't really gone through uh, and you know, it wouldn't surprise me if Derek Adams has a look at what he's got at Walkham and thinks, you know what, I'm, I'm better than this and walks away at some point. Um, there's one at, at a really big price, similar to the Lincoln um, selection, where it's it's definitely price focused rather than thinking they're necessarily destined to struggle. But I'm, I'm very surprised to see Forrest Green at 10 to 1 um, for relegation, who were the worst team in League One last season by, by miles, really. Um, there was some serious off-field issues with regards to just continuity of managers. We saw... Three different managers come and go after Rob Edwards. We saw Stevie Grieve, a director of football, hired and fired. You know, there was no really real aligned thinking. Now, things do definitely look better from the outside. Alan Steele comes in from Brentford to, to, to run the sporting side of things. David Horseman is a highly thought of young, young coach. He's been brought in from Southampton. But again, you're kind of guessing. And th- th- there's no continuity at all from <clears throat> this Forest Green side and the one that got promoted under Rob Edwards two years ago. All the players have gone. The manager's gone. And they are, you know, well behind the, um, you know, the, the seven or eight at the top end of, of League Two that Mark alluded to. So, you know, we've seen clubs often before relegated from League One struggle again in League Two. And I can't really see any reason why they should be so much bigger than, than the likes of Morecambe uh, to go back down again. So, um, yeah, I'd be interested in them. And also Accrington for similar reasons. I mean, John Coleman's a bit of a genius, but they were a very poor side last season in League One. And I don't see any massive reason why they'd improve. Um, key players were Loney's last, last campaign and they moved on. So, yeah, a couple of the big prices. Well, sadly, that's all we have time for on this special edition of Football Only Better. Our special preview of the Premier League season is coming up in a few days' time, so keep an eye out for that. And there is so much good season preview content on our website, betting.betfair.com. From George, from Jake, from Emmett, from Mark and from me, it's goodbye for now.